Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Something's brewing. A new partnership with Last Drinks and Buds and Beads. Order your sparkling tea today by visiting budsandbeads.com.au and use the code Last Drinks 20 for a 20% discount at checkout. It's time for another episode of Last Drinks, a podcast where we have conversations for the sober and the sober curious, hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Oh, hello, wonderful fam, fam. How are you all doing? This is a brand new episode of Last Drinks podcast, and it's a bit of a special ep. This week, I wanted to dedicate, if that's the right word, um, this episode to spending a bit of time talking to you guys about Viva Festival. You might have heard me mention it before. It is a health and well-being festival that's coming to Australia for the first time ever. Um, It's happening in March. All of the details are at Viva Festival com.au and look there's over 30 guest speakers all experts in their field talking about all different facets of health of well-being of wellness um, and it's a festival where look you're going to do a lot of learning you're going to learn a lot of tools practical tips trips not trips tri- tricks <laughs> tips and tricks not trips, on how to apply some new knowledge around health and wellness. Now, these experts, I mean, the the speakers list is pretty extensive. You've got people um, flying in from the UK, Dr. Robin Chukan, um, who is like a um, a gut microbiome specialist, medicine doctor from the UK is doing a keynote. Um, You've got, oh, just so many people. You've got um, Justin Coulson is doing a whole parenting thing. Turiya Pitt is doing a whole running workshop. You've got um, yoga instructors, authors. um, You've got mental health advocates. Gabriella Wright has come out, is coming out from the UK. Um, Sarah Grinberg, who hosts a Life of Greatness podcast, is doing a session. Um, you've got Jonathan Hari, who's also from the UK. He's a three times New York bestselling author. You have um, scientists. You have just these magnificent brains, these experts in their field, and they're all going to be at this festival over the the two, three days that the festival runs for, and it's back to back. There's workshops, there's keynotes, there's group sessions. It's just jam-packed. And the reason I wanted to kind of just spend just a bit of a moment here just to talk to you about it is because I am being invited to present at Viva Festival and I just couldn't be more stoked. Like 
I'm presenting a keynote around are we drinking too much? And I'm facilitating a panel discussion with three leading scientists around our alcohol consumption, what alcohol does to our bodies, and to kind of, I guess, answer the question, are we drinking too much in our society? And so my session is at midday on the Sunday of each of the festivals. So it's hitting Sydney um, and it's hitting Melbourne. So if you live in either of those places, you, I just think you should get along. You can get tickets, everything, all the information um, is at vivafestival.com.au. And when you go through the program, it's just, it's so much bang for your buck. Um, there's like, there's a deep dive session into trending topics on the Sunday. There's a drill down stage, there's a main stage. And then, as I said, there's sort of those one-on-one workshops on both days. And, um, there's also the group sessions. It just, it's just jam packed. And I'm just really, really blown away to be, um, on a bill that is just full of such absolute legends. Some people who I just love, I just look up to and I admire and I'm I'm just stoked and I just want you guys to come if you can come. You will learn so much. If you want to do a good thing for your health this year, do your best to get along to Viva Festival. I just think it's going to be really transformative. So um, with that in mind, today's episode is actually not really about drinking or not drinking too much. It's all about Reiki. Now, the reason why I am going to chat to Xavier and Chan King about Reiki is because they are Reiki masters and they are also on the bill at Viva Festival. So here's the thing. I don't know much about Reiki, but what I do know is that I feel like it's some kind of therapy. I know it's got something to do with energy. And I feel like when you come to sobriety, if you're early in your sober journey, you might be searching for a a therapy that works for you. You might want to look into or explore something a bit out of the box because you're going to have all of this new time and you will have all of this kind of new energy to go and find new things to do. And I remember when I took that initial month off drinking in 2015, I was like, oh my God, I've got so much time. And I just threw myself into all different things. Um, Reiki is something that I'm not super familiar with, but I am really curious about. And I know a really big theme of this podcast is to stay curious and to be curious about sobriety. Yes, but just about other things in life in general. So I, um, I'm really stoked to have Xavier and Chan give up a little bit of their time to explain what, what Reiki is all about. And interestingly enough, I mean, we do start the conversation by hearing about their last drinks because it wasn't a, a complete prerequisite that they needed to be completely sober to be on this podcast, but they do have a last drink story that I was really, um, really happy to hear um, as we started our conversation. So we'll kick it off there. So this is a Viva Festival special um, and it's Last Drinks with Xavier and Chan King. Please enjoy. You both stopped drinking in August last year. Yes, we did. Can you tell me what inspired that? Mm -hmm. I think a few different things for both of us. 
I would say it was never that we, it's interesting because I think there's, there's some things going around about like how it's not about being sober or having like an incorrect relationship with alcohol or there being a problem. It was more so that, especially in Australia, the drinking culture is quite large. And, it, and when you go out into society and try and participate in it, that most activities are involve alcohol of some sort. And, mm. and for both of us, uh, it was never at this stage in our life, I think, a, a problem, but it was more so that it was just like, well, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to be that person anymore. And, yeah. I, and, and it doesn't feel good. And it's like, it, very quickly it becomes too much and it's like you feel like crap for a few days you know especially when you get older and it's just like nah, like it just wasn't really serving us and then we just decided to to stop and we had stopped a couple of years ago before we got married for about six months um and then on our wedding day actually we had like champagne and then the next thing you know it's three years later and we're still like engaging in in you know drinking activities with people and, and we just went yeah this doesn't this doesn't work no yeah, well, it feels to me, and I love this for you guys because it feels like a really natural thing where you just mm. went, you know what, this just doesn't feel like it's fitting in mm. the life that we've created for ourselves. And I think that is a lot of people. They get to a place where they're not leaving Las Vegas. It's not crazy problematic. For a lot of people it can be problematic, but for a, a good portion of the community, it is it's just around and you just have always done it. So you keep doing it until one day you have this genius light bulb moment where you go, huh, maybe we just should not do that for a while and see how we feel. So how do you both feel on the other side of that decision? Really good. I feel really good. Yeah, great. I feel like I um even even having a couple of glasses of wine, I was really feeling super in tune with it in my body. It's like you wake up the next morning and I'm like, I know I had even literally one or two glasses. I'm like, I can feel it in my system and I didn't like how that felt. And then not having it, you just wake up and feel sort of clearer. It's like your energy is literally clearer and lighter feeling. It's nice. A hundred percent. And you guys, I mean, that leads us beautifully into Reiki. Speaking of energy, I don't know a lot about it, which is why I was super keen to get you guys on an episode to talk like talk me through what Reiki is, what I feel like it's energy something and it's good for us, but I don't know much more. So this is a really base level introduction to Reiki. And as I said, this is this is just about a bit of exploration. I treated my sort of first month away from alcohol as a big experiment and and I almost did this thing where I was like how many new things can I jam pack into this month because I'm not drinking now? And so yeah. I did, you know, I, I minimized and I Marie Kondo the shit out of my house. Like I did, I did a lot of things. And I feel like when people come to sobriety, they might be like, hmm, twiddle thumbs, you know, let's not go to the drive through bottle shop. Let's maybe tap into a new skill or something to learn. So take it away and, and tell me all about what you guys do. Well, so it's a hands-on healing technique, which has been around forever but the reiki side of it is it's a japanese hands-on healing um it works on your energy system and it helps with loads of different things physical mental emotional spiritual usually when after people leave from a session or when we do it on ourselves you just feel 
this lightness in your energy. Sometimes it's hard to explain what's actually gone on in there, but it's like, you know, sometimes you'll feel really like you've maybe you've got a really heavy heart and you feel like there's a lot going on there. It could be attached to a lot of thoughts as well that are helping create that. Um, mm. But when you can clear it out with Reiki, it just helps you feel more balanced and can, you know, there's a stress reduction that comes with that and a calmness um, and an ease through so many different levels of our being. Mm. And it's also really good for like working through any kind of emotional healing or pain management or if you're having sleep trouble. Yeah, headaches is a big thing that people come to us with. It might not be the actual headache. It could be some other thing that that is creating that headache within your system Mm. we see we see a lot of people who are struggling with like anxiety and depression or maybe they've got some sort of transitional thing happening where they're moving from one phase of their life to another or moving through one season to another Mm. and it's just a really supportive comforting service that we can provide um I think it's been described before as like an energetic massage like (laughs) if you oh I love the sound of that yeah. 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 It's it sounds to me a little bit like and I do I always recommend to people when they uh, come to sobriety that they engage in some form of therapy whatever that looks like for them. And I this to me feels like that. Um it's a form you were just talking Xavier about like the emotional side of stuff and I think we you know the thing about quitting drinking is it's not actually about quitting drinking. It's actually about becoming aware of yourself and dealing with your issues, right? Yeah. And I think there are, there are many, and I said that so flippantly, but because I, I know it as such a deep truth and I feel like people who listen to this podcast a lot just know that I bang on about that a lot. And so I feel like this is a form of therapy that it probably doesn't get that mainstream attention, um, that mm. talk therapy perhaps does and you know I have a psychologist her name is Melanie she's fantastic um but this is another avenue for people to get guidance to find a bit of healing to um process some of those emotions and to maybe deal with some pain so you you probably um see people in really vulnerable places in their life when they come to you that there might be a little bit of a mess and a little feeling a little bit broken yeah, I feel like we we do deal with a lot of people that have a lot of heavy stuff going on, and I feel like typically it is quite emotional based um, as the main the main thing, the main reason for coming in. Um, but every single one of them, it's just there's just this you know lightness, even if it's really a heavy thing that they're in with. There's always still sort of this lightness that comes afterwards, and just like I've oh, just shared layers of something. It feels nice. It's like it's a. It is a good way to have, I suppose, a, you know, a therapeutic treatment without having to talk about what's going on. Because sometimes you don't actually really know what's going on. You just know that you feel a certain way, <laughs> you know. And Reiki yeah. really good in that space. And, um, and so, so, how does it actually work? Yeah. So that's. Um, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I find it. It's a really hard one to explain. So we teach it too, and the way that we would explain it to students is that with a Reiki attunement, you then become like the vibration or frequency that you're operating on then becomes in tune with the vibrational frequency of Reiki. So 
as you would with meditation when you go to sit down and be like, okay, so my intention is to channel this this space for meditation. You would do the same sort of thing with Reiki. So you would be like, okay, so my intention is to connect to Reiki energy. And the, the simplest way to describe what Reiki energy is, aside from it being like a hands-on healing technique, is that it is considered to be like universal energy or, or god-like energy depending on what your belief system is so you mm. can you can say it would either it either comes from god or it comes from the universe or source and so nature we become when we when when we get attuned to reiki uh you become a conduit for that energy so basically when you set that intention to connect to it then you open yourself up to receive the energy to then flow through you to someone um, and so it becomes like a loot channel, essentially, like mm. from source energy through you to the person that you're working with and back. Um, and so often what happens is, is that the, the person who's on the table, who's having a session, they'll experience, you know, any, a, a range of things from, you know, heat to cooling to um, tingling sensations. Uh, we hear an awful lot of people talk about how they, they ask us if we have like a flashlight shining in their eyes or if... Um... That's a really that's a one. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not... I'm actually not entirely sure how that visual light though shows up for people when their eyes are closed. Because mm. it's en- it's just energy. But and it's, it's like, showing up wow. like that. someone's face, I think, is when mm. often we're hearing, like, yeah, it seemed like a really bright light was shining in my eyes. Mm. Um, but it's a really intelligent energy. So often, you know, we are both therapists. And so there is a lot of talk therapy that tends to happen after a session, mm. um, sometimes even pre-session. But in general, the Reiki sessions themselves don't require that. And it doesn't require us communicating in any kind of way about what's going on. But humans in general really like to talk and they like to be heard and they like to have space held. So it's like a tangible way to work through issues. So, you know, mm. I think they, they, all sessions will be different no matter what practitioner you go to, but typically it's like a, a quiet session with some nice sound healing music. And then, you know, uh, some of us are hands-on and some of us are hands-off, depending on which lineage you learned, because mm. um, there's a couple of different ways to learn Reiki, and uh, each one of them is a bit different. For our particular one, it's Yusui Reiki, so that is traditional, so it's hands-on, and um we typically just would like hover above the body and touch major joints like your knees or your ankles and feet, shoulders, things of that nature. And because it's intelligent, it just goes where it needs to. Like Chelsea said earlier, you might come in with a headache, but you, you might not need to go and touch the head to, to deal with the headache. Mm. The way you paint that picture, it sounds so lovely. Like it just, it sounds so like it flows the way that you're speaking. But so mm. what is it like for you guys as as therapists and practitioners? Like what is your experience when you're working with somebody on the table? Like are you are you getting bits of visions and are you getting prompts? Like what is that experience for you? I think it's <laughs> it's definitely different for every practitioner and it's different for each of us. Yeah. Um I'm mm. I'm incredibly visual. So as soon as I tap into someone's energy, I just see it's like a film roll of amazing stuff. And I've often when talking to people about what comes up afterwards, I'm like, I wish I could just take you in there <laughs> and show you. It's like I need to give you the proper idea, but it's like I really need to show you a film and it would take me forever to make that. <laughs> um, right. 
but we kind of talk about you know the visuals and things that come up and often it's um often it comes up for me in the form of nature like different I don't know creatures and landscapes and colors and shapes and things come up and they always relate to I, I feel like it's actually for me quite abstract in that sense but then when I explain it to the person like does this make sense these things coming up in this sort of sense um it always relates to whatever it is that's going on it makes sense it's sort of just a different visual for what mm. they're experiencing sort of energy and feeling that they're experiencing which is just yeah, fascinating to me that that's a thing. Well, and you know, that must be, I'm sure you're probably used to it now because you guys have been doing this for a while, but like at first that would be really, I'd be so terrified of like, have I got this wrong? Or do you know what I mean? Like is the yeah. energy sending me in a really, am I just off today? Like, and you you almost take this risk that you've got to trust that what you're getting is the right thing for that person. That's a huge responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah. And in the beginning, I think we both were experiencing a lot of like, do we share this information? Like, and yeah. how do we know that what's come up for us is exactly what needs to be said? And it wasn't until we just started sharing and being like, this may or may not make sense for you, but this is what my experience was. Mm. And people's feedback was, oh, my God, that makes so much sense. And this fits for that. And yeah, I felt this and this happened. And hey, I saw that too. I didn't realize you That's... saw the unicorn through the through the yeah. meadow or whatever. I'm being facetious. Right? I'm thinking of it as ever seen a unicorn. But you know but what I mean? That's an interesting one where you see the same thing. Yeah. And that, it's, yeah. That's fascinating to me. And that to me was, okay, cool. So, so we're on the right track. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It just took, you know, Absolutely. continuing to trust, okay, cool, whatever's come up in this session must be what's happening. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we still don't have days where we go, am I having, are we sure? Like, mm. and do I want to share that? Because sometimes some of the things that come up are quite intimate or mm. uh, quite intimidating. Yeah, heavy. Or or, heavy. Yeah. And so, you know, we just, we're really mindful and tread lightly and, you know, are always seeking consent to share, you know. Uh, and making sure that the way that we do it is in a manner that is therapeutic rather than triggering. Mm. I think that's something important, I think, to note for anyone who hasn't had it before is that we can't just tap in and figure out all the things that are going on within you if you're not open to sharing it. So it's not a space where you're totally open and vulnerable. Forced. Yeah, it's like if you go into a Reiki session, and within yourself, whether consciously or unconsciously, you're like, you know what, I'm ready to deal with this thing, but I absolutely <clears throat> don't want to look at this thing. Then we that you can't sort of break down that barrier because that's someone's energetic boundary. So that's theirs. And I think that's really nice that, you know, it gives you that safe space every time. It's like if you're not ready to look at something, you don't have to. It's not going to be pushed open. Everything around that can be worked on. It will probably be worked on in the background. You don't have to, you know, be open in that space if you if you don't want to be. Chell, that's so interesting because I was just my next question was going to be: Is it similar to with like when you get hypnotized at a pub on a trivia night, and if you're not open to it, you can't get hypnotized by the hypnotist? But in the sense that, like, the person on the table has to be like a willing participant in in this energy healing and that there there can be boundaries and there can be limits and and that is set by the the person in the session and you answered that question 
with with what you said, which is really interesting because I I did wonder if if somebody came to you and they're quite skeptical, then it might not be uh, a session where a lot of healing or a lot of progress gets made because maybe they're yeah they're feeling skeptical or they're they're unsure about opening Pandora's box or or what have yeah. you. Yeah. And it's also important to note too that uh, not all Reiki practitioners have the same experience, which I think we've mentioned before, but some Reiki practitioners don't see or experience anything. Like they don't necessarily get any information or uh, have any knowledge about the person that they're working with. They're just, you know, being a conduit for that energy. And that's, that's as far as it goes, you know? Um, and then there's those of us who also have like this whole other worldly experience or outer worldly experience i'm not sure what you would it's, call it yeah I where think it's really we, different we get all this other stuff you know yeah yeah um, it's important because i do i'm also i do hypnotherapy so i love that you compared it to being a hypnotist. <laughs> you know, in hypnosis or in reiki your subconscious mind their first job is always to keep you safe right so if right. you have particular morals or boundaries or you've got things that you're not interested in in tapping into then like it just it will not happen and, and no yeah. matter whether you're in trance or you're in a in an energetic healing space, like that won't change. That doesn't mm. budge. You're always in control there. Yeah. Mm. And you mentioned earlier on in the chat about when we do Reiki on ourselves. Now, mm. are there some techniques that just anyone that doesn't have formal training can use to tap into their own energy just at home if that's something that they feel like doing? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, normally, so in Reiki 1, you get an attunement. You can do like a small amount of Reiki on yourself, but even just without that, you can tap into your own energy. It's there. It's there. You know, it's like when if you imagine, you know, you get like a scraped knee or something, the first thing you do is go and cup your hands around it and you hold it. You're sending it energy. You know, you're sending it healing energy until you feel like you've had enough and you can clean it up and put a Band-Aid on it. But that mm. it's the same sort of thing, and you can do that to yourself mm. for emotional or physical healing. You know, it doesn't have to be a scraped knee. <laughs> I was thinking about you know, like when you're heartbroken and maybe you're crying. The first thing mm. you do is like you tend to do this, and you like hold your heart space Beetle. together, fetal position on the laundry floor. Yeah, and you're holding you're yeah. holding all of your chakras together. You're holding all of those spaces together, and like mm. sending yourself you're like self love, basically, and like mm. trying to comfort. Yourself. it's all the same it's all it's, mm-hmm. it's really similar things to the things that you can do even if you're not an emotional mess or you don't have a scrape knee you can, mm. you can tap into the spaces and see what they feel like and and set your intention because that's the most important thing that any of us do whether it's reiki related or not and if you have the intention you're like okay cool i want to tap into myself and i want to explore my energy mm-hmm. you can do that yeah I just love that so much. One thing that's been a bit of a theme in my life, and I've shared this, is self-compassion, which I had no concept of before I got sober. I was like, I was a mean girl to myself in my brain for, you know, 30 odd years of my life. And then all of a sudden I realized that I'm actually a beautiful, broken human and I deserve love too, right? And that love needed to come from me. This is like years of therapy that I'm just giving you a snapshot on. Yeah. But the self-compassion piece has constantly been coming up in my life over and over again. And it's funny because 
I started teaching my son this one. I was like, let's do a self hug. And we do this. And it, but it, it's all, it's the same kind of thing. Like, cause I'm trying to teach him to self soothe. Like if I'm not there and he's feeling sad at daycare or whatever, like we can do self hug. And it's just a really nice way of being kind to you and not being mean to yourself about not being perfect or whole or whatever it is. Um, and I just, again, that this just reinforces that, that we can all start with self-compassion. And I, I do truly also believe that until we have it wholly for ourselves, it's really difficult to send it out to other people in a really authentic way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's almost the hardest lesson to learn is how to be compassionate to oneself. It's really, it's just been a, it's again, like I, this is what I love about this podcast, right? Like that's just been a theme in my life for maybe 18 months. And then this chat pops up and again, just confirms like self-compassion is a real thing that we need to talk about more. And one of the ways you can show yourself compassion is just by tapping into that energy source and just seeing where you're at. And instead of trying to be busier or better or whatever, you can just sit with it and be with it and then maybe move it in a direction. Yeah. And I think another way you just made me think about, you know, with self-compassion and with exploring your energy, it's like with self-soothing as well, you're, you're sorting out what you're feeling and where in your body. And that's another way too to, to tap into your energy. It's like, oh, I'm feeling stressed and I can feel Where that in it? my chest. And then you yeah. can take that a step further as you like put your hand over it and you're like, well, what color is that? Um, does it have a texture? Does is it, it have a shape? Is it, you know, like, and you can explore those things without, you know, necessarily doing Reiki healing, but all of that information is there for you to access and for you to work through the stages to being compassionate with yourself. And all it is, is just a bunch of self-compassion and self-love and, and, and self-soothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes it a step further and allows you to be able to reflect upon and be in touch with your emotional self and your energy. Yeah, yeah that takes it to a new level too. Like I, I love the, I love what Brene Brown talks about how she says like when we can name our emotions, then we can deal with our emotions and, and, you know, emotions aren't just happy, sad, or pissed off. They're the main three that people feel, but there's like hundreds of different names for different emotions that we have, right? And that takes it to another level when you're like, well, can I name it? But where am I feeling it in my body? What does it feel like? Does it have a color? Does it have a texture? And it's almost like when you get to know what that emotion is and you can name it, then you can actually deal with it at least rather than it just swimming around in your body and you just labeling it as stress. I think when you can drill down and almost like give it a persona, it's easier to manage it. And and then you're at least aware of what it is. It might not shift, but you know that it's there and that it doesn't have to impact the 400 other things that you need to get on and do today. Absolutely. We've definitely given emotions personas before. I can't remember a name, but I years ago I had a name for my anxiety and I have a visual mental picture of her. Um, yeah. And I feel like that helped. Like whenever that came up, I'm like, oh, you know, Sally's coming to visit again. I could sort of feel that energy around this, you know, <laughs> all stressed, like with all her oh, schedules in her hands and stuff. <laughs> but it also helps too because often we're programmed to – condition to maybe put other people before ourselves so for some people a therapeutic technique is naming 
their emotion and giving it that persona and then mm-hmm. holding space for that that part of themselves that is now another person yeah it's um, like what do you mean like, what do you need yeah, well, yeah okay well, what does sally do yeah all right well then i'll do those things for sally because i have a hard time doing them for myself so it's like you know that, that takes it to like a whole other mm-hmm. different place that can be really therapeutic but those are things that people can do in their own time to be able to investigate how they're feeling where and, and to tap into their energy because our bodies know everything and they're talking to us all the time. We just don't know how to listen. Yeah, it's so true. This is this has been a really fascinating chat and I'm sure that people listening who are like, ooh, I want to I name my anxiety too. <laughs> they might want to um, find out a bit more about you guys. So where can people um, find you? And then can you tell us about what you're doing at Viva Festival which is in Sydney um, in the middle of March, and it's in Melbourne on the 23rd and 24th of March. Mm. So you can find us on our website, um, which is www.earthandelm.org, or Facebook, which is Earth and Elm Studio and Wellness, um, and Instagram as well under those. We have a studio and a wellness Instagram page. Mm. Um, Great. And Viva is going to be really exciting. So we're uh, doing uh, a Reiki and uh, meditation. So you receive thing, yeah, Reiki healing, and take you on a bit a bit of a journey, visual sort of feeling journey through some interesting spaces while you receive some energy healing, kick back and relax, and go on an adventure. Basically, Mm. that sounds amazing. Yeah, nice. We're very excited about yeah. that. Group healing is always really beautiful, and, and meditation is really helpful for mindfulness and you know relieving stress and anxiety and just kind of landing into your body. Mm. And to combine them both is just like they they really correlate well together, and it'd be really nice to to hold space for people in that way. Right, sounds so cool. Well, if you want to go to Viva Festival, you can get your tickets at vivafestival.com.au. I'll be there on the Sunday doing my keynote on the main stage at midday, which is a great time because it means that I'll be able to pop into the group therapy. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be able to pop over for yeah, that as yeah. well. Yeah. Love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I'll catch you guys at Viva Festival. Thank you for having us. Then. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Make sure you click follow so you don't miss an episode. New episodes are published every Monday. You can follow us on TikTok at Last Drinks or catch up with me on Instagram at Maz Compton. Stay curious. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm.